chapter 3 and 4, there's a lot of practical things of how do we live this out? What are we supposed to do? How can we live a life that is not, um, you know, for anything less than, than Christ? And so it was right at that bridge of this sort of juncture in the book between those two things is this passage that we're at, at today. And so it's, it's sort of going from the thinking to the doing. And in the sense of we're moving from understanding all that God has done, understanding all who Christ is. Because, I mean, Colossians has, is incredible. I mean, some, of, some of the most majestic and lofty descriptions of Christ in the whole Bible you know, took place in chapter 1. And he's the, you know, um, the image of all creation. He's the firstborn of all creation. The Son's the image of the invisible God. You know, he's the head over all things. We have all these descriptions of who Christ is. We've also had descriptions of what Christ has done for us. The forgiveness that we have, the life that we have, the freedom from accusation. Remember we talked about we're blemish free in his eyes. All these realities of what's taking place in Christ has, has all been what's been going on in the first couple chapters of Colossians. In the second half, he's going to start talking about how do we live? How, how does this play out in our lives? What does this look like? And so today is that, is that, that bridge between the, the, the understanding all these things and the playing of them out in our lives. And so, so, so today we're going to sort of cover both of those sides. <clears throat> and so I'm looking forward to this passage today because it, I find in my life that my thinking definitely does affect my doing. My perspective affects how I act. And, and you, you've all seen examples of this, you know, stories of someone who, who sees a situation and they act one way and then they are given an insight and they go, oh crud. I read this totally wrong, and now I'm going to approach this differently. Like, you know, I, I forget if it was, I can't remember if it was Bill Hybels. It may have been Bill Hybels, that story on the subway. He you know, sees, sees the dad there with his kids going crazy, and the, the, the dad is totally ignoring the kids, and the kids are being incredibly disruptive and just, you know, crying and screaming and yelling, being just awful on the train. And he's like, what is this dad thinking? This is just an awful parent. And, and, then, and then the dad, he just, he just sort of like snaps out of it for a second. He's like, oh, uh, folks, I'm public. I'm so sorry. He goes, we just got back from the hospital and my wife has just passed away and I don't even know how to handle my kids right now. We're just in a mess. And all of a sudden, their interpretation of the situation radically changed. People are helping with the kids. People are giving comfort to the, to the father. I mean, it's just like, because the thinking and the understanding of the circumstance changed, their actions radically changed. And then that's true in our lives. The way we understand a situation, the way we perceive things, the way we interpret the data that we encounter affects how we act, what we think, how we feel, what we do. So today we're going to look at some, this passage that bridges that gap. He sort, of, he sort of takes in mind all this truth about who we are and then it talks about how we should live in light of it. It sort of lays a foundation that's going to be really important as we go into the next part of Colossians. Because as we talked about last week, the Christian faith is not about following rules, it's about following Christ. If we think Christianity is about doing this, 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 and we go into these instructions that we have by Paul, if we think of them as a to-do list, we're missing it. So it's really important to understand this week before we get into all the detailed instructions that come in the weeks to follow. And so today, the, the main point for today is pretty, is pretty simple, um, and we're, we're going to do four verses, um, but the main, the main point is this is that Christ is our life, so we live for Christ. Christ is our life, so we live for Christ. In some way, what God has done in us, and what he's done through Christ in us, 
is so dramatic, is, is so life-changing that, that, that Paul can even say, Christ is your life. We're so identified with him. And because of that, we need to live in a way that reflects that. We need to live in a way that follows him. We need to live in a way that is for him. So that's what we're going to walk through. In this passage, there's two major things that are described. One is our union with Christ, our identity with Christ, how we're connected to Christ. That's the one thing it describes. And the other thing is this call of how we're supposed to live because of that reality and through that reality and in light of that reality. So, so it, it's, you know, Christ is our life, so we live for Christ. And so we're going to walk through that. So I'm going to read the passage. It's not going to take long. <laughs> Four verses. Now, we've had like chapters I've read in here before. It felt like it took 20 minutes. This time it's like four verses. Um, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll go back over these verses several times. But as I read them, I want you to keep an, an eye toward what ways in these four verses is our connection, is our unity, is our oneness, is our identity with Christ? How is that expressed? Now, I want you to just, 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 just think. Think of all the ways in this passage, and it's just four verses, that our connection to Christ, our union with Christ is expressed. So that's the first thing I want you to look for. The second thing is he, he gives us some very practical instructions. You can look for what does he ask us to do. So, so, so how are we connected to Christ? How is that expressed in various ways? And what are we to do? Okay, so, so keep an eye for that as we, as we read these four verses. So it's, it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. So the first thing you're looking for is our connection with Christ. So he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears... Then you will also appear with him in glory. It's so short, I'm going to read it again. Okay? So this time, I want you to, this time we should read it through. Look for the parts that talk about our connection to Christ. Because that's what we're going to talk about first, our union with Christ. Okay? I'm going to read it again. So just look for what are, the, what are the ways that this expresses we're connected to Christ. And I'm going to ask you in a second. So be prepared to answer. Okay. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay. So, just, this is an open book test, open Bible test. What are some ways, what are some words he uses to describe our union, our identity with Christ? Which verse is it in? Okay, we're raised with him. Okay, good. Verse one, good. We're raised with him. So, so somehow we're connected with him in such a way he say we're raised with Christ. Okay. Anything else? It's not in every verse. Don't worry. You're not missing something. You can skip. You can go to whichever verse you want to go to. Hey, verse 3. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay? 
Anything else? There's one more at least. Okay. Yeah, you did. You died and your life is hidden with Christ. The died part probably is you died with Christ. That's implied. That's right. That's even a harder one. That's true. Okay. We are. We are, we are supposed to... The command actually is for us to set our minds where Christ is. So that, that's a unity type thing as well. Even in the command. Verse 4. He is your life. That's straight up union. Right? So both in the command, both, both in the descriptions, all, all this stuff has all sorts of stuff about how we're united with Christ. You've been raised with him. You're supposed to set your mind where he is. Set your hearts on those things. You've died with him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll appear with him. So there's even a future identity that's going to happen. So, so you can see one of the main things going on in this passage is you are identified with Christ. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So much so that Paul can actually say, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll appear with him in glory. So you've died with him. You've been raised with him. You'll appear with him. He is your life. We are united with Christ. Now we've talked about in the book of Colossians how, how all this stuff has happened, how he's, he's transferred us in the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light and to the son he loves. How, how we were once alienated from God's and enemies in our minds. But now he has reconciled us through Christ's body. How he has forgiven us our sins. How he's done all these things. How he's put off the old nature. How we've been baptized and raised to life with him. All these with Christ. So as believers, there's this mysterious union that we have with Christ. I can't explain it to you. Okay? I can't. I don't fully understand it. That somehow we're so identified with Christ that when God looks at us, he sees all all the benefits and all the righteousness of Christ in us. That we're so identified with Christ, it is if we died on the cross with him and were given new life with him. That the reality that he died and rose again is so real in us through faith that it's as if we did that as well. And that just as Christ is alive... So, we have life. He is our very life. That's how identified we are with Christ. We're hidden with Christ in God. So, just as how Jesus Christ is, is you know, one with the Father, that's how close we are to Christ. We're hidden with Christ in God. It's mysterious. I don't understand it. But that doesn't mean that I don't embrace it and won't want to live in light of it. Right? I mean, how many of you guys have been to the depths of the ocean? The very deepest point. Nobody. Have you gotten in the ocean before? Just because you haven't explored the depths of it, 
And just because you don't understand it fully doesn't mean that, you, that, that, that it doesn't have meaning and value, something that you can enjoy and participate in. Just as the ocean. What, what, they, what do they say? That, you know, that, I can't remember who it was. It was... It was um, I don't know, C.S. Lewis who was talking about that, that, you know, that the, the, the scriptures is like water that an, that an elephant can walk in. You know, you can enjoy walking in, but it's also so deep an elephant could drown in. You know, I mean, it's, just, it's, just, it's just this massive thing. And that, that's what this union with Christ really is. Somehow, God sees us in the person of Christ because we put our faith in him. Somehow we are so identified with him that he uses all these different words with Christ, in Christ. Christ is our life. And he's been doing it throughout the whole book of Colossians. And I promise you, if you think of this concept of union with Christ as you read the Bible, you're going to see it popping up everywhere. Everywhere. In fact, many would argue that it is the main image of our salvation. That we are with Christ. That we are in Christ. The book of Ephesians has in Christ I don't know how many times. So let's, just, let's just, just chew on that for a second. There's a reality that you are so associated with Christ. It is as if he is your life. That God sees you through the person of Christ. Let's just, let's just let that sit for a second. What does that mean? I'll tell you one thing, there's just some, some security in that. We don't have anything left to prove to God. I mean, is Christ trying to earn God's favor? Has he just not quite made it? Just got to do a little more? Christ perfectly obeyed the Father, gave his life, and is now seated at the right hand of God in heaven place of victory, waiting until all the enemies are put under his feet. You are associated with Christ. You are united with Christ. You are alive in Christ. By faith. You have nothing to prove to God. The other thing that amazes me, who are you united with? You're united with Christ. You remember who he is? You remember chapter 1? Remember when Jacob preached on this? Chapter 1, 15 and following. The Son is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. In him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You are united with the sovereign over all creation. 
You're united with the one through whom all things were created. That is who you are united to. Is there any problem he can't handle? Is there any circumstance out of his control? Is there anything happening that he's unaware of? No. You are united to Christ. You are connected to him in a way that is mysterious that we can't even understand. But the, the author of the scripture go over and over using all sorts of terminology to try to express it, to say it in a bunch of different ways to say you are connected with Christ. You are in him. He is in you. You are one with him. God sees you through Christ. That is your reality. That is my reality. Think of the security that brings. Think of the peace that brings. Isn't that incredible? To Christ, you're united. So he says in light, he goes, look, since you've been raised with Christ, so he's, he's using the image, he goes, since you've been raised, and he goes, because you died, and he is your life, he calls us to action. So the first thing is, you know, Christ is our life. So then he says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So he uses two terms. The first term he says, set your hearts on things above. It's literally the word to seek, to pursue, to go after. And say, this is what I'm going for. I'm going after the things of God. I'm putting my focus on those things. And then he uses the term, he says, he goes, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And this is a term that Paul uses all the time. Um, and, and it's basically, it's literally, it's to think. Think about these things. Think about this reality. Think about this truth. Not these earthly things. So what he's saying is, he's saying, look, you're united with Christ. You're united with Christ. Therefore, live that way. Live with that reality first and foremost. Set your minds in that reality. So that as you, he's not saying just you know, walk around with your head in the clouds so you walk into things. I mean, the whole next chapter talks about how we're supposed to live in this life, how it's supposed to play out. What he's saying is, I interpret this world. I navigate this world. I make decisions in this world based on my conscious awareness of who I am in Christ and what he has done and his presence in me. That's the other part that we often forget. We think of it just in the terms of, okay, now I am um, forgiven. It's not like earning a, a degree. You've gone through college and you've gone through whatever school, whatever grade, doesn't matter. And at the end, you've finished. And you're like, yes, I've got it done. And let, let, let's pretend it's a qualification for a job. You, you had to complete this degree and now you can practice in whatever this is. Okay, so you've completed the training, you can practice. They go, yes, I've done it. So now, now I'm officially a graduate, or I'm officially a doctor, or I'm officially an architect, or I'm officially a lawyer. I've got the degree, I've got it, so now I can go do it. Yes, that's true. And, 
imagine if your best doctor, teacher, lawyer, whatever, now comes along beside you and empowers you and guides you and teaches you as you practice. Because that's what happens. We're united to Christ so God sees us through the lens of Christ and he puts his spirit inside us. So the person of Christ, we're, we're still united with Christ. Okay? It's not like we're united with Christ so we're saved and oh, he's all done. We're united with him. He is our life. It's not just he saved us and it says see you later. He walks with us, empowers us, guides us, leads us. That's why in the beginning of, of Colossians, he talks about, he says, you know, we pray continually that God would give you the knowledge of his will um, through all the understanding and wisdom that the Spirit gives. Because the Spirit is giving you wisdom and understanding. He says that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Remember that? Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so you might have great endurance and patience. That sounds like a pretty active God. He's given you wisdom and knowledge by his spirit. He's bearing fruit in your life and, and through all of his... He's given you this great endurance and power. He's given you this great power according to his might so you might have endurance and patience. So do you get the image? It's not like Christ is our life, he saved us, whoo, see you later. It's like Christ is our life, so we live for Christ. It probably should even say, so we live through Christ. I was reading a book this week, it's sort of interesting. I haven't finished it. It's a great book called Union with Christ. And, and, he, and we talked about this a little bit last week, that you know, we sometimes try to seek to get God's approval, and then once we get it, we try to keep earning it and this or that. And the way we've got to live our lives is realizing we have God's approval. We're not trying to gain his approval. We're living from his approval. Does that make sense? There's a big difference between living to try to gain God's approval and living out of the approval he's given. And living the empowering that he puts in our lives. So this book sort of gave the example of American Idol. You've got American Idol. Every week you're there performing and you're trying to get the votes. trying to get the judges to like you. Then you're trying to get the votes. And all, you know, the show failed now. Not failed, sorry. It ended. And now they brought it back on another network, so it's back again. But one of the things in the last evening of American Idol, what do they do? After the person's been, after the person's been named the winner, they've gotten through all the time, they've achieved, they've won, they've gotten it all, then what do they do after the end after they've been crowned? They sing one more time. And this time they actually sing as the winner. There's no approval, there's no grading, there's no nothing. They are just celebrating because they've won and now they've got this big contract. You know, and they're gonna, all this their life's about to change. And they're singing out of that moment. That's the image of the Christian life. As we put our faith in Christ, we're united with Christ. The, the questions of where we stand before God are done. Now we get to live out of celebration, live out of thanks. And even as we do that, we do that through his empowerment in us. Here's a very practical thing for this week. As you're, as you're living this week, don't, we, we tend to look at our life, I, what am I going to do? God, help me do this. No, da, 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 da. no, I need help with this. Look at your life as a we. Say, God... 
we have some interesting things in store for us this week, don't we? We're going to see some unusual things this week, aren't we? I'm looking forward to walking through this week with you. The, 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 the question of what would Jesus do is a great little armband or whatever else, but it's also very individualistic. What am I going to do as opposed to God, as you enable me to follow you, what are we going to do? Because he is in, he is, he, we are united with him. Not simply in salvation, but in life. In pursuing him. So even think about that. Think about that this week as we say, hey, Christ is my life. So I live for him. And I live through him. See all the difference that that makes? It makes all the difference in the world. Because God is, 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 we are united with him, we're one with him. And he enables us and draws us and empowers us to please him. Out of joy. Out of what he's done in us. That's the story of the Christian life. So we're going to be looking at in the next, next couple of weeks, we're going to have some specific things about how he tells us to act. He tells us to do this, to put off the old self, to put on the new, to put away these types of things, to put on these kind of things. But it's all with the background of we do these things. Why? Because we're united with Christ and we're living for him through him. That's how all these, that's how all these instructions play out. It says, since you've been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then he looks to the future. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So one day we'll have it, we'll experience his presence fully. And walk in this life together. That's it. That's the bridge in Colossians. Christ is our life. So let's live for Christ. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. It, I, I, we can't grasp. We have a hard time understanding the reality that you are our life. That we are so united to you that you even describe it in the same terms of your connection with the Father. And you do it throughout all of Scripture. You say in John, I am in you, you are in me. Just as I am in the Father, you are in me. There's this whole united element that we, we don't understand. But it's, 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 it's this reality that, that we need your help in grasping. So I ask that even, even today by your spirit that you would a enable us to get a, uh, take another step forward in understanding our unity and our identity of being in Christ. Help us today to set our minds on things. Up. We know how to set our minds on things. We know how to accomplish things. We know how to pursue things. Help us to set our minds, to have our minds determined by the reality of our unity with you. And to set our pursuit of you and our delight in you and our life through you as the main focus of us, as the main focus of all we do. And by doing that, we will enjoy 
all that you have for us. As well as seeing how you have us to impact those around us. Thank you for this mysterious union and for your love and life that you have. In Jesus we pray.